We're reading a story from Acts and one verse from 1 Peter that obviously are related. So the story from Acts is in chapter 16 uh, and it starts at verse 6 and it's on page 1111 of the church Bible. I was, I, when I saw that I was really delighted that I was going to read it out <laughs> just for fun. So uh, Paul is on a missionary journey, and uh, starting at verse 6, Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas, During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. From Troas, that's modern day Troy, we call it, we put out to sea and sailed straight for Samothrace. And the next day we went on to Neapolis. From there we travelled to Philippi, a Roman colony and the leading city of that district of Macedonia. And we stayed there several days. On the Sabbath we went outside the city gate to the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. One of those listening was a woman from the city of Thyatira, named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth. She was a worshipper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. When she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us to her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. And then in 1 Peter chapter 3, on page 1219, verse 15. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So we're going to hear from a bunch of different People, we just want to highlight very briefly in that passage from Acts how um, uh, Lydia's conversion to following Jesus happened within the workplace, and her workplace was really important to um, how what how she followed Jesus going forwards. Um, uh, and I think one of the really important things about the Thank God It's Monday series is um, both sometimes we've been led this way culturally, but also maybe some unhelpful ways we might think about church. Um, But also, I think it's a tendency as humans to kind of box stuff off. Um, And we can have kind of a sacred, and I I suppose the opposite of sacred is the word profane, holy and unholy, you know, this is my God stuff, and this is my not God stuff, and actually, 
Um, Jesus wants everything. He wants all of our lives, yeah, our rest, our play, um, our work. And you know, that's going to sound a bit like, that's a bit selfish, Jesus. But that's because he wants to give it to him um, so he can give it back to us. Um, we're going to hear, this. I think this is going to be fun. This is fun when we hear from each other. I think one of the best things about Jamie's really good talk last week was hearing from each other. Sorry, Jamie. Um, <laughs> and, and seeing people talk with one another. I always find I get happy seeing that. Um, so those who are speaking, sorry, I haven't given an order yet, but we're gonna, I'm going to give it now, so get ready. We're going to hear from Pippa whoa, and Colin, and we're going to hear from uh, Matt, and then we might hear from a few young people, possibly, but no pressure. Just look at the questions and think whether you might have any answer to them, and then we'll hear from Beth. And then hopefully, if we have time, we might share a little with one another. Um, real emphasis when we think about work, I know... A whole lot of us are retired, but I think you do. I think looking around, I know all of you do something that involves work, though you are retired, uh, and that includes things like community building, um, caring for one another, uh, and uh, volunteering. So um, don't tune out. Tune in. <laughs> um, let's pray, and then we'll hear from Pippa. Uh, Lord Jesus, I pray that. Uh, we'd be encouraged by hearing from each other, but we'd also be challenged how we can follow you more closely uh, with the majority of our time, uh, Monday to Friday. In Jesus' name, amen. So those are not quite the questions I got, but they are the questions I've answered. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah. So the questions Nathaniel sent me was how being... Uh, to. He wanted me to talk about how being a follower of Jesus affects how I do my work and whether I could share a story of how I've been able to share my faith at work. So basically that. So when Nathaniel asked me to speak this morning, I was very tempted to say no. As I knew, I had a really busy weekend, last weekend and a week this week, and I wouldn't have much time to think about what to say. However, I said yes, as my inclination is always to step forward rather than back. And I thought I might learn something about myself, which I did. So if you don't know, I'm a civil servant. I work in finance in the headquarters of the Ministry of Justice. I used to work in HMP Leeds as, a, as the head of finance and corporate services. But for the past five years, I've been working in headquarters. And my job is to take a strategic view of income across the department, most of which comes through the courts in the form of fees for things like probate, divorce, repossession, lots of miserable things like that. Uh, also adoption, which is a great thing. Um, but in simple terms, what I spend most of my time doing is talking, listening, reading, thinking, and typing, like many people who work in office-based jobs. So how does being a follower of Jesus affect how I do my work? This question would have been much easier to answer if I was still working in the prison, where I felt I was called to work by God and there were obvious choices to be made about my behaviour. Being a Christian in that environment meant treating the men in custody decently with compassion, as well as using a management style that didn't involve any shouting at people, but still delivered results. It's not so easy to answer the question in my current role, 
The Ministry of Justice is not a utopia, as those of you who follow the news will know, but my corner of it is full of people who treat each other well. I had to think hard about how being a follower of Jesus affects how I do my work, apart from generally trying to give of my best, being the best colleague and manager I can be. So in my role, I have to think about things like how much people can afford to pay to go to court to argue for custody of their children, or how low someone's income should be before they don't have to pay their court fees at all. It's in these considerations and policy discussions that I feel being a follower of Jesus gives me a responsibility. There are competing interests at play, usually those of the general taxpayers, like you and me, and court users, who are also largely people like you and me. It's not always easy to see how to come up with a solution and I make sure I give proper consideration to the questions we're wrangling with and work with colleagues to come up with proposals that are as fair as they can be and will also be acceptable to our ministers. At this point, when I was writing this, I found myself thinking about gifts of the Holy Spirit. There are several lists of gifts in the Bible, and I've thought for a long time that I don't really have them, but I realise that's because I've thought of them all as gifts to be used within the church. On checking, it's the list in Ephesians that says some are given to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, and those gifts are to be used within the church. The list in Paul's first letter to Corinthians, chapter 12, is much more general. Paul talks about ways to serve, but we all serve different people in different ways, not just within the church, and I definitely look at my work as an act of service. I don't do it for the money, If I wanted money, I would be an auditor or a consultant. I work in government partly because I want my work to matter in a big way by being a tiny cog in an enormous machine that impacts everyone, but also because I really believe we need followers of Jesus within the civil service, creating policies, writing laws, and putting those laws into effect. So here's the passage from 1 Corinthians 12, starting at verse 4. There are different kinds of gifts, but they are all given to believers by the same Spirit. There are different ways to serve, but they all come from the same Lord. There are different ways the Spirit works, but the same God is working in all these ways and in all people. The Holy Spirit is given to each of us in a special way. That is for the good of all. To some people, the Spirit gives a message of wisdom. To others, the same Spirit gives a message of knowledge. To others, the same Spirit gives faith. To others, that one spirit gives gifts of healing. To others, he gives the power to do miracles. To others, he gives the ability to prophesy. To others, he gives the ability to tell the spirits apart. To others, he gives the ability to speak in different kinds of languages they had not known before. And to still others, he gives the ability to explain what was said in those languages. All the gifts are produced by one and the same spirit. He gives gifts to each person just as he decides. From this list, I can see I do have some gifts of the Spirit. I bring the gifts of knowledge and wisdom to my work. And as I try and grow the fruits of the Spirit, particularly kindness and patience, those will be seen in me at work as well. Nathaniel also asked if I had any stories of how I shared my faith at work. The short answer is, not really. As I've already said, evangelism is not a gift of mine. People at work know I go to church, but I don't really go any further than that when talking with colleagues. However, 
It struck me that the only person who I know has come to faith, at least, at least partly as a result of my witness, was my good friend David, who I worked with at Accent Housing. I have to say, I don't actually remember having any conversation with him about faith, but when he was in the final stages of prostate cancer and accepted Jesus into his heart, he told me that decision had been a natural result of a lot of thinking he had done over the years about things I had said or done. So although I'm not preaching every lunchtime or offering to pray for anyone who mentions they are ill or have a personal problem, I do have evidence that the way I conduct myself at work can be used by God to win people for him, even if I never know about it. Thank you. Colin, thank you. We'll hopefully have a chance to pray with each other, and so we'll pray for you, Pippa, and Colin, and everyone at the end. Okay, thank you, Nathaniel, for your invitation. The question you sent me in the email is not quite the same as what's on the screen. <laughs> anyway, <clears throat> I'm not sure how you follow Pippa. That was really well done. Um, so anyway, most of you know that I work at the University of Bradford in the School of Pharmacy and Medical Sciences. I've been there 29 years. Um, we have... Nobody knows how many students we've got, strangely enough, but it's somewhere between 800 and 1,000. And we have at least 100 staff, including part-time staff. So... The students are almost all from, eth well, we call them ethnic minorities, but it doesn't sound like minorities that uh, feel like minorities at Bradford. So the majority of students are Muslim. Um, on the, st the staff are pretty diverse, are very diverse, actually. Not as we have a lot of Muslim staff, but not as many by proportion as, as in the students. So we have a wide range of, of staff. We've got Muslim, Hindu, Buddhist, Jewish. We have a number of um, LBTQ type people as well. Uh, so a big, big range. The ethos of the department is very much around respect and dignity, as you can imagine, with that diversity of people. And this does, I think, make people very careful about what they say and how they treat colleagues. In general, we, we treat each other really well. But one or two staff have made inappropriate comments and been in enormous trouble for it. So that does kind of affect what you say uh, at work. So as far as uh, my faith is concerned, I think it's, I've always felt it very important to let people know where you stand. And it's not always, you don't always get easy opportunities to do that. But uh, at work recently, we've had a large number of new staff. And one thing that has been done is that staff, all the staff have been asked if they wish to give a little introduction about themselves, particularly, you know, how they got to be where they are and that sort of thing. So that, that gives me a great opportunity because I, I like to tell people that about my experience working in mission hospitals in India because I think that makes it very clear to people where I come from. And they know, for example, that I speak 
on behalf of the leprosy mission and that kind of thing. So I think that gives people an opportunity if they do want to talk to me. Um, so having written my introduction, um, only one person who I didn't know came or made a comment about it. But nevertheless, that was good. Um, of course, it may be that lots of people didn't read the, the newsletter in the first place, so, so who knows. So I like to help, I like people to know where I stand. Um, the next thing, as Pippa uh, said very clearly, is how important it is that your behaviour at work matches what you believe. Because if your behaviour doesn't match what you believe, you may as well not even try and say anything. In fact, that just discredits everything. So I feel very strongly about that. Um, as far as more intimate conversations with people about uh, following Jesus or faith, um, I have had opportunities, but I'm not very good at making good use of them, to be honest. Um, so I was quite taken aback when a gay colleague some years ago, quite out of the blue, told me that he'd become a Christian. And it's very difficult in that context to know exactly how to react. Is this genuine? Is it going to result in a change of behaviour? Of course, in years ago, things, the attitudes were very different to what they are now. So that was an interesting one. More recently, um, a colleague that I've known for a long time who originates from Nepal and is a Buddhist, he, interestingly, he, he knocked on my door a week or so ago and, and wanted a chat. And uh, basically, he wanted to tell me about his Buddhist meditation. Now, he's told me a little bit about his meditation before, but it was really nice that he felt he could come and share with me because he knows that I'm a Christian. And... Uh, Anyway, he wanted to <clears throat> talk about how he devised some research which was going to monitor his brain activity during Buddhist meditation, which is an interesting one because Buddhist meditation is more about escaping from the world than engaging with God. So whether he'll detect anything at all in his brain when he's meditating, I just don't know. But... <laughs> That is something that might, might go forward, because I'll be interested to, to see what he does and what he finds out. So that's just uh, one example. But as I say, I don't really get many opportunities to share very much. But I hope that the way that, hope that what people know about me and the way that I behave at work does uh, uh, send some kind of signal. Okay. Colin, that's great. Matt, you want to go through? Okay, we're going to hear from um, a couple of members of Fusion now. So, um, Callum and Rachel, if you wouldn't mind coming up. Um, yeah, yeah, Beth's going to join us. We're going to do a bit of a kind of a brief sort of interview tag team. So, we've got a few, um, a few different questions to ask them. So, we're just going to alternate. Is that all right? Yeah. I think um, I think you're going to be speaking on behalf of all our young people, actually. And I also think, us guys as adults in the workplace, it's it's hard, isn't it, to kind of demonstrate Jesus in those spaces. I think being a young person, a young person now in schools doing that is really challenging. So I just think, 
yeah, really looking forward to hearing your experience of that and also just um, this need to not feel the pressure of like, I've got to be a great Christian because I'm at church, at school even. Um, so yeah, do you want to start? Sure. Um, before we do the first question, do you want to just say, as we start, kind of what school you're at, what years you're in, and then we'll just dive in. Um, well, we're both at Ilkley Grammar, um, and I'm in year nine. I'm in year 11. Yeah. <laughs> Loving school, no. Okay, um, so Callum, first one to you then. Um, what do your friends make of the fact that you come to church? Um, they don't really care. <laughs> I mean, it's not really a big deal. Like they don't, like they don't bully me for it. But they just—they're not really interested either. So there's not really much to it. They never really asked me about it. So, um, yeah. Yeah, I think kind of similar to Callum that like. I think people are kind of quite sort of neutral about it. Like, you sort of, if you mention it, sort of, usually people just don't say anything. Um, so, I just think people maybe just don't really know what going to church looks like. I feel like a lot of people, like, especially with like youth group and stuff, people just don't know what going to church really is. They're just sort of like, oh, it's some building, but they don't really know what's going on. Um, so what would you say your general experience of being a Christian in school is like? Um, I mean, I think sort of in these like past few, in year nine, I've sort of been a bit more confident in my faith, so being able to talk about it a bit more with other people. Um, obviously, um, setting up the Christian union at my school and being able to chat to other Christians and sort of spread my faith a bit has been really good. Um, so I feel like I've been more confident in being a Christian at school. Um, but yeah, I think it's... Yeah, I think I'd, I'm okay with being a Christian at school. I don't face any bullying or anything. Um, but yeah, I feel like I've become more confident in my faith at school. Mm. Like I said, like it's, like no one's really like bothered about it. It's not. Yeah, you don't get criticised for it, but you just no one's interested. Like it's quite a like yeah. It's, Um, can you think of a time maybe in school where you've had to reflect Jesus or be Jesus in a situation, whether that's like a peacemaker or to kind of share your faith or to, I don't know, put your faith into action in some way or reflect Jesus to people? Um, I guess sometimes just trying not to join in with like, if other people, like, just communities of what people are saying, um, if they're swearing or just just not just using language that's appropriate, just trying not to join in with other people in groups if this, or if they're saying something about someone else. I think just 
trying deliberately just not to be part of it. Um, I think, yeah, I think it's more of a sort of, in some ways, being like not taking part in some things is saying something sometimes. Um, yeah. I think, like, in small ways sometimes, like, my friends all, like, have a go at each other and, like, kind of not bully them, but, like, pester them consistently. I'll just sometimes try and, like, it'll sometimes feel like it's just, like, a really long, ongoing thing, and I'll just, like, mention to one of my friends, or well, maybe I should, like, quit it for a bit, because it's, like, all the constant nagging can build up over a time, and there's one guy in particular called Ben, and he, like, he's getting a bit more angry and violent about it, and I think that's because... It's been going on for a very long time now, so um, it's not that great. But I try and like stop it a bit. Um, so, in terms of like your experience at Ilka Grammar, particularly, how do you think God has used you in school? So, you've talked, you've given some really amazing examples of within friendships, within those relational spaces. Do you have a bit of a sense of how is God using me here? What is he doing? Um, I think probably the most obvious one is I set up a Christian union at my school. Um, so, and there's been more people coming to that, which has been amazing. Um, the other week, um, we sent out an email to the whole school, invited people to come. And we had 15 people that came. Um, so it's definitely growing and that just feels really encouraging and like even in the weeks we haven't had quite as many but we've had different people coming so we've just it's just great to see that there's people that I didn't know who were Christians who are just coming along and just this small thing that I've started has just grown and that people are just coming but then I think a second way just a slightly smaller way I guess is just like, I'm just within my friendships, like, I don't shy away from, like, like at the weekend, I went to church, I went to youth group. Like, I will always mention that in, like, what I said that I do so that, like, my friends know that it's a big part of, like, my life. Um, and I think on the way to school, I sort of, I pray for them every morning. So I just, I just pray that one of these days that they will just be more curious about it because they know that, I'm I'm available to talk about faith, um, so I just hope that um, after praying for them and just making sure that they know that faith is a big part of my life, that I'm like approachable to like talking about faith. Uh, probably in friendships again, like just not joining in with other stuff, and uh, I've got a friend who's also a Christian, but he's not that like bothered about speaking about it and haven't really been that outgoing in speaking to him about it but I've tried to encourage him to come to the CU and he has come once now but uh, hopefully I can try and get him to come (laughs) a bit more Uh, yeah Amazing Uh, 
no, I think you're both amazing. And I know from all of you young people, the way in which you are in school will be massively reflecting who God is in loads of different ways. Because I think, firstly, you're all just amazing friends to your friends. And I think you're also really great at inviting people into spaces here. Because youth group's amazing, right? Right? <laughs> so, yeah, thanks, guys. Thank you. Great. Brilliant. And we'll pray. We're going to pray. Yeah. We'll be able to pray for you later. Yeah. Great. So thank you, everyone, for sharing. That was really, really good. Um, what we're going to do for probably about, not quite 10 minutes, probably about five, seven minutes, is turn inwards in groups of threes and fours. Love to, to answer the first two questions. What do you do? Um, and how does being a follower of Jesus affect that? And then to pray with, I think if we got into stories about sharing faith, it would take too long, um, then to, to pray with one another. And so it would be really good if everyone in your circle is prayed for. You might think, oh, thinking, oh, this is the bit where you pray out loud, and some people feel, they just get very nervous about the idea of praying out loud. And do you know what? Sometimes as a vicar, I get a bit nervous about praying out loud. When it comes to me in a circle, circle I'm like, oh, I've got to pray. Oh! <laughs> but um, do you know, simple is often the best. And uh, if, you, if you don't know what to pray, then if you know their names, for instance, if I was praying for David, I might pray, Lord Jesus, would you pr- please bless David in his work in the name of Jesus? Amen. That would be really good to do. Um, so let's gather in uh, threes and fours, turn around, maybe move the chairs a bit, might be necessary. Just share with each other, what do you do? Um,